This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to Nordic Nation from Faster Skier. Before we go on here, this episode is brought to you by the Craftsbury Outdoor Center. Craftsbury is excited to kick off the 2020 season. So excited they are offering 30% off select early season dates. Go to craftsbury.com backslash nnpod to save 30% off your trailside lodging, including bountiful, fresh local food, and all your skiing on the center's man-made and natural loops. Currently, they have 25K open. That's craftsbury.com backslash nnpod. And make sure you enter that in all lowercase. Okay, on to the episode. In this episode, we speak with now-retired Swedish skier Ida Ingemar's daughter. The 34-year-old Ingemar's daughter became the head coach for the Swedish national development team this fall. We connected with Ingemar's daughter from her home in Osterund, Sweden, and beyond skiing and coaching, we learned about her recent hunt for moose. We start off the discussion talking about her decision to retire at the end of last season. What was your sort of thinking about, you know, retiring and why why the decision then? Okay. Um <clears throat> I actually haven't I haven't thought about the retirement so much before I decided to retire because I've been always like focused on what I'm in doing right now and not focused on what's uh, when I will or what I will do. I've been focused on what's now and the skiing. So I think this like this spring uh, we was in Canada and doing the last World Cup races and I was feeling quite good and I was thinking about next season but it's always the same you know you're racing and you're so focused on racing and then I get home and I did the last competition in the spring here in Sweden and I think during the last weeks of the season I started thinking okay if I go on skiing next season uh, what will what will be my main goal? What will I focus on? Uh, I have I know I have to do the work hard to stay at the top and be where I want to be as a skier. I want to be in the finals, in the sprints, and I want to do good races in the distance. And um, I also starting to get a feeling inside myself that I never had before that. Uh, I'm feeling quite done with skiing. I was like, I had a feeling that I wasn't in the last race, that I couldn't push myself the way I used to do. It was like, oh, I've done this so much. And I, I, I was just feeling I'm good with I, I'm good with the stuff I've done in the cross-country tracks and everything. And I'm feeling like, I think I'm done. I want to do something else. So, I think that's the that what happened during April for me. So I think it's from the start of the thoughts, and when I get out with a decision, it's like maybe three weeks. So uh, that's I think that's the way I am when I'm decided, and I have my uh, mag chancellor, the stomach feeling that this is what I want to do. Then I go for it. In the Swedish system, are athletes and coaches kind of trained? 
to help the athlete develop outside of skiing. You know, here in the United States, there's been a really strong movement beyond skiing in all of sort of the Olympic sports, it seems, to help athletes or at least start to recognize that these sport governing bodies need to help athletes develop beyond sport, be it future careers, uh, ongoing education, networking. You've been in that system for a very long time since on the World Cup, I think since 2004. What is the Swedish system or how does the Swedish system help athletes during their career and maybe post-career to transition into other avenues of life? That's that's a really interesting question because I'm in a transition right now. I mean, it was in May. I I told everybody that I was go quitting skiing and now it's the beginning of November and uh, I'm on the other side. But I think in Sweden we have like when you're a junior, you're the lot of the most of the skiers go through the ski gymnasiums when they both had the education at the gymnasium and the skiing. And then we have also uh, when you're done with the gymnasium, we can go to the ski uh, ski university. We have it on uh, some spots in Sweden when you can combine studying at the university and uh, uh, do your training. I've been doing this here in Estesund at the Mid University, and I will I will <clears throat> next year uh, end my study there. Uh, we're doing my the last course I have uh, courses I have left uh, after the gymnasium. I went here to Estesund and started to study at the university, and then I study, and then when the career took speed and I a lot of traveling and everything like around 2010 then I I had no time for study so much so I put away the study and now I'm I have like one year of studying left and then I have my education in sport science done so I think that's also a good thing you can combine that's the way I've done it and I think it's been good that I combined the uh, beginning of my career as a senior skier with my study and now when I'm done with the skiing I will com- complete it and do it. In Sweden I, I, I'm making an assumption but I don't know for sure is it free university like universally free university for anybody? Yes So, but then I think it's it's. Uh, I think that's a, a, it's a question you're setting it, it's a different way some people don't want to study some people want to work. Some people just want to ski. So I think it's it's an, it's an interesting question, and I think it's uh, everywhere it will develop how we're working and how how everybody helping athletes uh, during and after and before the career kicks away to the best, as you say. Yeah, and I think part of the debate here, and I don't know how closely you know you've followed it. Um, here, you know, the U.S. news. But for example, um, you know, there's been a lot of scandals with sexual abuse and like, say, gymnastics and swimming. Um, And so I think because of that, there's been an emphasis on trying to reform some of the sports, you know, including skiing, in thinking about, you know, treating the skier more holistically, not just as you know, a skier is a vehicle for Olympic medals, championship medals, World Cup points. But 
is that, and that's kind of a big question, but there is, is there that sense in Sweden that, you know, for yourself or a Charlotte Kala, and I know you can't speak for Charlotte, but that the athlete brings more than just the medals to the sport. They're, you know, like a full, complete human being and that the governing body needs to help support that. Is there that sort of conversation going on? Yeah, that's a, it's a really big question, you know, Sam. But I, I think, in my point of view, I think it's always very important to see see the whole human. Uh, and then it's now when I'm as a coach, it's, uh, I have to help the the person uh, on both sides. Both if they need help outside the sport, then I have to give them some uh, advice on that side of of the life also because you know the skiing is the one point of your life but the whole puzzle in your life has to be in a good position that you will do a good job in the track i I think it's a question that's coming more and more and to see the whole person and help the human to uh, grow as a human being and of course, the big stars is always the people that everybody uh, want to be like. But I, ha- I personally don't have think about the question you're saying, and I think it's it's a little bit too big to put it down in one answering. I have to say. Can you tell us a little bit about your coaching responsibilities this season? I actually started as a coach like one month ago in the. The Vemmelop team here in Sweden, because the regular coach is is pregnant, so she will have a child in a few weeks. So this month, the first month that this work, I've been going beside her to learn it. I know I know everything, but not as a coach. I know it as an athlete. So I think it's really interesting to get the other side on the sport. I know a lot, but it's a lot of things that you, as an athlete, never know anything about that you have to do a lot of work behind as the booking, buses, flights, hotels, and check everything for everybody. So uh, I'm still in a learning moment, I have to say. So it's really fun. I've been on my first training camp here uh, two weeks ago, and I'm starting to get in it. And... uh, I will go on a new training camp on Friday. So I hope I soon will know everything and that I need to know. But it's good. I have uh, my colleagues and they are helping, helping me very well to get into this. And it's really fun and really I'm really excited to, to work with the young skiers that are coming in Sweden. What specifically is the age group that you're working with? And are they based out of Osterund or is this a national group where they're from all over Sweden? Uh, yeah, it's a national group. It's from all over Sweden and it's youth 23 and um, the juniors. So it's the two, it's 19, 20 and it's up to 23 from 19, you can say. It's a group of 24 act, uh, athletes. Are you um, are you still able to do intervals and keep up with some of these skiers? Actually, I was out with some of the skiers today and I was pacing them a little bit. So, I can't say I'm I'm in really good shape, but I'm I'm doing some work with them and trying to push them when I'm out. And I uh, I think that's 
something good for me when I'm uh, uh, <laughs> now as a coach that I I'm my plan is to be in such a good shape that I can fold them on in training, not maybe in everything, but I w- want to be a coach that's out training with the athletes. You know, during your career, and you, you know, you spanned a, a, almost the entire, you know, two decades from 2004 till the end of the 2018 season. And you were very, very consistent. You know, when I started looking at like FIST statistics, you know, after 2010 or during the 2010 season onward, you were incredibly consistent. Was that something where, you know, it took you six years to kind of find the groove or find your place on the World Cup or find your fitness? What were some lessons maybe that you learned about your own skiing? I think uh, for me, 2004, when I did my first World Cup, I was a junior. Uh, 2005, I also was a junior. 2006, when I was getting from junior to senior, I was out in the World Cup and uh, was learning. And uh, 2007, I was on my world first World champion Championships in Sapporo, and I think I got eight in the sprint. And then I was four in uh, Librec 2009. And when I saw that uh, develop by myself, and I started to train as a senior and was uh, taking the training good. And I had some injuries there before 2009. And then I think it's 2010. And then I started to find how to race and everything. I had some some years of... Uh, good experience and also training with the best skiers in Sweden in the national team. I think that was a really good good start just to train with the best because then you learn to push yourself and you know I'm now I'm training with some of the best skiers and if I can follow them on these intervals and during the camps then I know I'm then I can ski faster. And I think that just have that thought and then keep on doing the work. Just follow your plans and doing a really good job. I think if you do that and you have a good plan and a good philosophy in your training that makes that you you push yourself and you then rest and then you have a good flow, a good flow in the training, then then you can work your the whole way up. But I can say from 2010 and after that, I've been doing. I have a good career and I'm really satisfied with uh, what happened and what I've done. I think many people would argue that this sport has become more specialized. You know, people are focusing either on the sprints or say the middle distance and long distance events. You are an example of, yeah, someone who was able to be successful at both. You know, is that something that from your perspective to be a solid athlete in both on the women's side. Is that something you first see as being more difficult to do as the sport evolves or something that is manageable to be both exceptional at, at sprinting and distance skiing? I think I've been always looking at myself as a skier, not a sprinter or a distance skier. I've been looking at myself as a skier and I always want to go fast in 5 or 10 or 15 or 30 or in a sprint and I think for myself it's been like a main goal that I can go both sprint I want to go all kind of distance 
I think if I can do that, I'm a good skier. That I want to be a skier, not just I just can go that distance. I want to go everything and I want to do it good. I think that's for myself, that's been one of my main goals during my career. You know, you modeled the ability to ski, you know, well at in both distance and sprinting, where there are lots of examples of exceptional athletes that just have not been able to manage that. And maybe they don't want to. But I am curious, having grown up in the Swedish system, you know, as a junior through your senior skiing, how do they most often want to develop an athlete, you know, sprinting or distance or try and develop an athlete, you know, who is capable at both sprinting and distance? What I mean now, started to coach, I don't have the experience, so I can't say anything how other coaches taking. I just can talk for myself and my own career as a skier. As a retired skier, I think for me, it's always been I want to be a skier and can race everything. And I think that's also something other skiers also want. Uh, you want to ski, and then you. some people are better on uh, distance and some are better on sprint but I think it's my my plans my uh, way to train has always been to be a good skier because if you want to do a good sprint sprint day it's four races you yeah. have to do four good races to be in the final and when you're in the final you need to have the uh, some extra so you can be on the podium and I think if you're going to do that, it's you have to do a lot of training. And for me, the, I think that combination, uh, I was a good sprinter as a young, and then I was training a lot, and I would get a better distance racer that also make me to a better sprinter. So for me, it's these two things are something that goes together, but it's like always been I have to do the special work with, uh, to the sprint part like high speed and uh, impulses and everything that's more focused on the sprint but I also need that when I do the distance races like in the math start or everything then someone that it's a little bit the same in a sprint and in math start you have to find your your position and you have to be uh, full focus if someone doing something in the front and you need to be uh, doing the work good. So for me, it's like, as I said before, it's always be always to be a good skier. And uh, of course, the sprint is the thing maybe that's been my little bit number one, but I also always want to do the distance race because I, I think that uh, I like the killer around you against the watch when you're doing the distance race alone in the forest. So I think that's one of the curious thing about cross country seeing you both have this, you're alone against the watch outside in the forest. You are the sprint when you're competing with five other athletes on a short high speed course and you have the long distance races also. So for me, it's always been the focus to be a good skier. You know, any insights into the success of developing arguably the best and youngest women's team on the World Cup? 
how does something like that come about from your perspective? It's a really good question, but but I'm not sure I can answer it because uh, I, I think I've been uh, too short time on the other side, if you understand what I mean. I think it's, you should ask that to someone that's been uh, seeing everything in a bigger perspective. I, I, I can't. Uh, I think it's hard for me to say anything because it's a good question, but I, I don't know what I will, how uh, what I will answer actually. Let's just say, you know, if you're following the sport, say the past decade, it seems like Sweden has become stronger and stronger, you know, over the past say like seven years, on the women's side in particular, and. It wasn't just Kala, but several names. It could be five different women on any different given weekend. What do you, I mean? I guess I would ask, like, what what did you see going on that allowed the team to be so successful? I, I think it's um, from the way I've been. Uh, I've been in the team, and I know what I was thinking all this year. And you see, other in the team be successful. You see someone winning their first world champ at a World Cup. Uh, when I was getting into the team, you see uh, Anna and Lena was taking taking the gold medal in the team spin 2006. Charles was taking the Tour de Ski 2008. And you see people succeed, and these are people you are training with. And I think for me that was like, okay, they can do it. Then can I also do it? For me, that it's been that way. How it's for other, I don't know. But for me, it was like, okay, she can do that, and I can follow her on intervals. Okay, you know, then I know what level I'm on that day, and I know if she's had a good day, and then she's top ten, and I have a good day. Do you understand how I mean? Yeah, yeah, um, I do. What type of pressure is there internally on a team to? you know, kind of keep up and meet the expectations of like a Norway that seems like every generation, every 10 years, every five years, they show up with a new athlete that can dominate, you know, a Claybo is one example, you know, is there, what type of pressure is there to sort of keep up with what Norway is doing? For my own career, I never, I, I've been never focused on what Norway are doing. I've been focused on what I, I can do, for myself to be a better skier. Uh, I think that was one of the most important. I can uh, look what other people do, maybe get some influences when I'm training with others. But then I have to focus on my plan and what I'm doing. I can't focus on what other people's doing because then I lose my own my own thinking. Sure. Anything that you would want uh, people to know about yourself or know about Swedish skiing um, that you haven't spoken about? Oh, about myself. Oh, sure. (laughs) Good question. Um, I don't know. Maybe you have a question. (laughs) I do actually. It reminded me that I do have a question that I did not write down. But I, th- I think I noticed on Instagram a few days ago, you posted a photo of yourself hunting. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Were you successful? Yeah, actually, I, <clears throat> I sh- shot my first moose, you say moose or elk? Yeah. 
Moose elk. Yeah, yeah. moose. Yeah. Uh, this like three weeks ago. So that 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 was an experience, a new experience. Uh, I started a hunt last hunt with my own from uh, last year. So this was the second autumn in in the hunting forest, and I also. In Sweden, we don't have these grizzly bears and everything. We have the brown bear. So I also one day at when I was sitting in the forest uh, looking for mooses, uh, it came a bear to me uh, like on 10, 15 meters, uh, just walking across the road in front of me on its way uh, up in the forest on the other side. Not like a grizzly bear, but it. I was really excited when after and I had some pulse after the bear have moved away because it's not so often you can see them so close to you. Okay. And so for the moose, uh, I'm curious, how are you going to, I'm assuming that could be your meat for an entire year. Yeah. Okay. How are um, you going <laughs> to, how are you going to prepare it? Oh, no, I, I, I'm, uh, my father been always been hunting during the whole whole my life, so I'm always at home. I'm always eating moose uh, and reindeers. That's the only meat I've been eating during my uh, whole whole life. Uh, so uh, I think that's for me the normal the normal meat at home. And I think it's not not common for everybody. But I think when you're living in the north part of Sweden. Uh, most of people are hunting like mooses and uh, it's yeah that's the way it is and did you grow up in Osterland? oh no I'm I'm from, actually from a small place that is named Sveg like 3,000 people so it's like 200 kilometers south of Östersund well have a good evening so, oh, have a good day I say to you bye bye Thanks for listening, and remember, it's looking very much like winter in Crassberry, Vermont.